turn now to James. We are starting and have started this amazing and excellent letter that James wrote, and we began it last week hearing who James was and a bit about what his focus is, and then he gets the gospel. But I, I want to start this morning by just asking if you've ever watched Jeopardy. Um, very famous. I think that some of us watch it every evening. It's one of the longest-running game shows in America. And, and what they do is they put an, an answer on the screen, and then you have to provide the question. And so today's answer is trust Jesus. What do you think the question is? And for many of us, what, what we do is, is we trust Jesus, and I think, okay, trusting Jesus is what gets me to heaven. That's what I think of when I think of trusting Jesus. But actually today, what we get to look at is why James, even this passage, is functionally so important. It may not be the deepest theological passage. There are deep theological passages in the Bible. But this may be the most functional for you and me because of the question that we're answering with trusting Jesus, which is, how do I get through this life on earth? Not heaven so much. Heaven's ahead of us. But how do you live now? What are you doing today? What are you doing tomorrow? How do you live life? And that's because this morning we get to talk about trials. Everybody, every day, in many ways, is going on, undergoing trials. I know, I know you're not in the jury box getting prosecuted. But there are as many trials for you and me as there are moments in the day. And you are going through some right now. I don't know them, but I can start naming, right? I could just spend the rest of our time naming different trials. Let me, let me just give you a few examples. You could be going through a relational trial. You know, your spouse isn't treating you as he or she ought to be treating you. Your kids won't obey you, listen to you. Your parents are angry at you, and you're struggling with that. Relational things. Those are trials, right? They're things that hit you that you got to struggle through and figure out relationally. You could be going through a physical trial. Maybe you have diabetes. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe someone you know has cancer. And, and you want to know, well, what? It's simply hard. You have back pain that won't go away or depression that besets you. Maybe you have an ongoing struggle against sin. Maybe the problem's you. You're, you struggle with anger and you try and tamp it down and you believe in Jesus. This book is written to Christians and you say, I believe in Jesus, but I struggle over and over with the same sin. I'm tired. I struggle with this thorn, this trial. These are trials of various kinds, various colors, and, and, and we, we deal with them every single day. In fact, to some degree, our lives are defined by them because we look at the things that are in our life that are struggles and we think, I want to advance in them. I want to get over them. I want to conquer them. I want to, to, to do something to be better. Whether it's a disease and we treat it, it's a relationship and we restore it, of sin and we get rid of it. So the question that many of us have, and you face it whether you think about it or not, is how do I have joy in the midst of struggling through life? How do I, in, in fact, how do I know how to struggle? What's the wisdom of getting through those things? And, and, and not just those two, but then there's the last, how do I have victory? And this morning, the Bible, James, he's after all three. He wants you to have all three, joy, wisdom, victory. 
I want you to see it. I want you to see from the text. Take a look with me. First, we're going to look at joy. We looked a little bit at this last week. We started here. But I want to pick it up again because it's, it's so important. The question that you have, that I have is, do I, do I have to be joyful when things are not going well? Is it a requirement of my Christian faith because I see these commands? We discussed this last time, but here's the passage. We'll pick it up in James chapter 1, verse 2. Here it is. Count it all joy, my brothers. That's brothers and sisters, right? He's saying us talking to Christians. He's with us. He's not above us. He's with us. He says, hey, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. There it is. All the trials we hit in life. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, unless steadfastness have its us, he says. You know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So, so he's saying reckon it joy, not because of the trial, not because of the sin you fight over, not because of the difficulty that's in your life, and we have these difficult things, you see. He's saying consider it joy because in the midst of those difficult things, here you are this morning, worshiping Jesus. Isn't that fantastic? The only thing that matters in your life, the only depth and the way to the wonder of the gift that you have is that you trust in Jesus. That is cause for rejoicing, special cause for rejoicing as you walk through difficult things because those difficult things are like punches that strike you. And as you get hit and as you get beat by these punches that strike you and you still hold on to Jesus, what a wonderful statement to your own heart that your faith, your trust, it's real. It's real. And then so you can have joy. I can have joy not because of the trial, but because of my faith. And he says, that's what you should consider. And we talked about that a bit last time. And there you have verse four, the full effect of holding on to faith is that you can't be moved off of it, right? Let steadfastness have its full effect. This is not steadfastness in overcoming the trial. This is steadfastness in holding on to your faith. The full effect of that is you're mature because faith is all there is. I'm saved by faith alone. Being strong, you not being able to kicked and beaten and pushed away from your faith, that's something for rejoicing, but that also is completing, right? Your identity is set. Rejoice away. Okay, so the rational response to the gospel is to reckon it joy that you believe. And we, again, that may not be a new thought for you. We touched on it last week. But that's a little bit of cold comfort. I think, if I'm really talking to you, not talking flippantly, and, and you really struggle, if you really struggle with a difficulty in your life, and here I am saying, okay, count it really joy that you still believe in Jesus. Okay, that's fine. But what about this thing? What do I do? What do I do with diabetes? What, 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 what should I, what do I do with my peace? I need wisdom. Wisdom is skillful living, right? I need wisdom to get through my trial. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know which way to go. So there's, a, there's another piece here that's really amazing good that James gives you and me. Finding wisdom. Because this is what I do. I can't think straight about my trials. What should I do? I had a trial once. It was like this. It was a good friend of mine, and she came up to me, I, it was a work friend at the time. I was a physician, and she came to me, my residency, and she said, "Hey, Dax, I really value your friendship. I'm, I'm getting married. Would you come?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, sure. Hey, cool. Well, I'm getting married to another woman. 
Will you still come? And I was a bit like, oh, now you say, oh, that's not a trial, Dax. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, it's a trial for her. She doesn't know Jesus. She needs Christ. She was not a, a believer. But it's a trial for me because I sat there and got anxious about it, right? What should I do? Should I go and because and I want to be supportive and a friend? Should I not go because it's important? She knows that homosexuality is a sin in the Bible. And I'm not saying it's a sin, but God says it's a sin. And I have to stand on the scriptures. What's the way through? And, and what, I was, what I was worried over was this thing called wisdom, right? We need wisdom. Which way should I go? How should I treat this thing? What's happening? And, and I can't think straight. I want to get wisdom. And so here's what James says. In the trials that we're in, if any of you, that's us, if we lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. I believe he's speaking particularly because this section is particularly about your trials. The things that you're hitting and struggling and anxious and thinking over. And you say, I need to know how to, how to respond. L look what he's not saying. He's not saying if any of you want to get out of your trial, ask God and he'll take it away. <laughs> Bummer. Kind of wish it said that. But he says, if in the midst of your trial, you don't know which way to go. You say, well, there's always the right way to go. You just need to figure it out. No, many times it's about wisdom. Wisdom's not a thus saith the Lord in many cases. Many times wisdom is just about the right direction to take, right? As you pray and the Lord, the Lord allows you with counsel and with scripture and you take it in and you pray. He says, hey, what you need to do is the Lord promises because he loves you. He promises he will give you wisdom. If I'm a diabetic, my sugars have not been very well under control. In this trial, this physical trial, and I'm, I'm losing my foot because the when you had high sugars, the blood vessels start to close off in different areas, and so you start to lose your foot. Do, do, do I need accountability that's super strong so that I get my sugars under control? Or do I need comfort to know that I need comfort in Christ to know that it's all okay and God will be with me? Here's my answer. I don't know. In various settings, you might need either one. What do you really need? Wisdom, wisdom to tell. Wisdom to tell whether the hard push is good or the soft hug is good. Wisdom to tell these things. You need wisdom to live life in a variety of settings. And we all long for the absolute, this is what you must do. I long for that. And there are those things in the Bible, but a lot of life is wisdom. And Jesus, I think through James, says, if you, if you lack wisdom because you can't wrap your mind around, what do you do? Here's what you do. Ask your dad. If any of you last wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, it will be given to you. And, and so you think, well, that's really nice. Yeah, but there's a, there's a, there is a hook in it. What's the hook? Well, he, he's not done. But, but let him ask in faith. Not doubting the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Do you see James' flow? James first says rejoice because it is such a fantastic thing in the midst of difficult times that you trust Jesus. Next, James says, hey, while you're in these trials, if you lack the direction, you ask the Father. But let me just tell you, it's grounded in faith. What's faith? Trusting Jesus. 
You see that that trusting Jesus colors how we even ask God. You're not asking God, oh God, I wonder if you still love me. You're not asking God, oh, I wonder if I'm saved because I'm in this trial and this difficulty. Those are not the questions you need to ask because you already know. I'm in faith. I know, I know a couple of things. I know that Jesus Christ died for me in a, a remarkable display of the love of God for me. I'm set that the Lord loves me. I know that he loves me on my worst day because while I was a sinner, Jesus died for me. I love that nothing separates me from the love of Christ. I know those things. I'm not, I'm not asking the Lord for wisdom about whether or not he loves me or has saved me or I'm going to heaven. I ask the Lord for wisdom about how to think about my trial in light of Jesus adoring me. That this is pretty big. Because if you're doubting Jesus, you're missing the only ground you have for asking God anything, right? The only ground you and I have for coming to the presence of God and asking him something is that I know that Jesus loves me. <laughs> I trust him. I think sometimes in our trials where we go is, wow, I'm having such a big trial that I just don't know if God loves me. And James is saying, wait a minute, that's totally the wrong road to go down. You know God loves you, and all this stuff is just asking God to grab your mind around it, what direction you need to go. So he says that, and, and what that does is that flavors how you respond. You start to respond differently because of it. How do I know? Because that's what James says. Look, he says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he's going to pass away. This is all about you asking God for wisdom about your trials. And what's the reality is, I know I trust Jesus, so I have this perspective, and you have it too. And therefore, I know that no matter what, boy, if I'm low and I'm lifted high, isn't that a picture of the gospel? I deserve nothing. But God, in his condescending, wonderful grace and mercy lifted me up out of the pit and has seated me at the right hand of, of him in Jesus Christ. And it's so amazing when anyone who has nothing like you or I and we get lifted up, how incredible it is. The converse is also true, says James, that the ones who have much, you got to realize that it doesn't mean anything, right? I mean, all the stuff you have and all the things you've accomplished and everything are nothing. The only thing that matters is your faith. The only thing so that if you get humiliated, if you fail, if you fall, man, that, that's, that's a picture of this stuff is passing away because like a flower of the grass, you go like that and all of your accomplishment and all of your stuff, you who believe in Jesus, you know this is true. And you start to see, hey, wow, there's a perspective, there's a gospel perspective that starts to flavor everything in my life. And it's all grounded on that answer that started us, trusting Jesus. So if you're low, rejoice, you're exalted. If you're high, well, the highness doesn't get you anything. For as the sun rises with its scorching heat, James says, and withers the grass, its flower falls, its beauty perishes, so also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. It's not talking to the rich man in some ungodly way he's talking about the reality of everything that we do right he's kind of echoing ecclesiastes vanity says solomon and the things that we do here on earth and our flesh and that's the thing the the trials just aren't the things that matter right faith matters C cancer 
diabetes, depression, finances, recurrent sin, all of it, trials, and and here we are in the midst of it, holding on to Jesus. And that's, that's the ticket because that's how we live. Okay. This is not something you don't know. I just think it's really hard for us to actually believe. Because what we really want in all these things, I don't, as I look at my trials in my life and the things I struggle with, and I have them and you do too, they're not exactly the same. They're various ones, right? But the commonality James is presenting, and, and, and I realize that, yeah, I should weight my faith so strongly that I rejoice. I get it. I, I agree that really faith is what matters, and so I ask God for wisdom, and I trust that he'll give me wisdom about the directions to take. I ended up in that particular case, after praying about it, not going to this wedding. I think in different situations, I, I might have gone. I shouldn't call it a wedding. It's what our society calls it now. I don't know. There, there are different wisdom pieces in there that you could see in either case, you know. But I realized through it all, I, I was a witness for Christ. And the things that I was about was about faith in Christ. That's what I was trying to do. But here's the thing. What I really want, I think what you probably really want is victory. I don't want someone passing out, pabbling about trials. I want to get over my trials. I want to beat them. If I have cancer, I don't want to say, hey, trust God. I want, I want no cancer, right? If I have diabetes, I don't say, oh, cool, here's how to handle it. I want no diabetes. If I have a relationship that's broken, I, I don't want to, I, I want the relationship fixed. If, if I have something going on with my finances, I want more money. I want victory. And I define victory as getting rid of the trial. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's, that's just normal. How do you find victory? And I think that the, the scriptures take our normal desire and they rip it apart. I just think it's true. I mean, you can look with me. What do you think is going on? Look what James says. James says this. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. James defines victory for you, and he does it right there. Isn't it? Is that what he's saying? How blessed. It means you victorious. How blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. So if you stay steady under trial, and by steady it doesn't mean persevering and getting rid of the trial. He means holding on to your faith in Jesus. If you continue in every part of the the struggle that you're in to say, yes, this struggle has eaten my boat, but I trust Jesus. I fell down again, but I I trust Jesus. And you even think, wow, I can rejoice in that. Because Jesus is all there is. And, 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 and James says if the person, he means person, he's not talking about men. He says men and women who remain steadfast under trial. When he stood the test, what's the test? The life of the trial, right? This thing that's hurting you. He received the crown of life, which God's promised to those who love him. It's not a special crown of reward. It's eternal life. He's talking about salvation. He said, you want to go to heaven? This is heaven is that you, through your life, you're steadfast. You endure in holding on to Jesus alone. This is what he's saying. 
That's victory. That's victory. No, notice what it doesn't say. That I wish it did. Is it okay to say I wish it did? It doesn't say. If you conquer your trial. Blessed is he who conquers his trial. Blessed is he who overcomes the trial. Blessed is he who puts to rest the test. Blessed is he who overcomes in that way, because that's what I want overcoming to mean. I want overcoming to mean I get I get a handle on that thing, and I get it, and I rip it out, and I toss it away. And, and instead, James says, remain, remain steadfast under it. Not over, uh, uh, under. So it doesn't say if you get your diabetes under control. If you pick the right cancer treatment. Doesn't say if you get over your depression or if you avoid bankruptcy. It doesn't say if you manage not to sin in your particular area of weakness. It doesn't say any of that is what is what victory is. It doesn't say that, does it? And that just eats me because I want it to. I want I, I want it to be the one who 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 who's shining and strong. I actually, you know how I approach it. That's, that, that I think you probably approach it too, is that I think in terms of agency. And follow me for a minute, because I think this is important for you to understand about how you think about your life. I think in terms of agency. I'm willing to be under, under things that I can't control. So if I'm born with a club foot, that's a trial. I couldn't control it. I just have to live with it. So all the things I'm talking about come into play. I totally get that, hey, because I have this thing that I, I man, I, I really had no control over, and here I am. Therefore, I need to just count it joy. I need to trust God. I need to put my faith in Jesus. I need to struggle through it. And I go there, and it's okay, and I think you do too. But when I introduce agency, it starts to go away. What I mean is this. What if you had diabetes not because you were born with it, but because you ate candy bars every day? All of a sudden, I'm not so sympathetic towards your diabetes. All of a sudden, I'm a little bit more about, you know what you need to do? Stop eating candy bars. Get over your trial. Stop struggling through it. Get some self-control, buddy. That's where I go in my heart. I, I go in my heart, though. But, 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 but these things are woven through. Especially it starts to come in areas of sin. Because some of you would be going, that's your kind of playing loose and loose with this whole trial word. It's not these things that we do. It's the things that are done to us. So, so, so it can't be things that we have some agency in. Those things we're responsible for to get over. But, and, and these other things is what we just say, hey, the main thing is trusting in Jesus. And I'd say, no way. You can't make the line. It's unable to be made. James is not there. Really, honestly, at the end of the day, you're not there either. Because how do you tease it out? How do you tease it out that someone has terrible lung cancer, but they smoked for 10 years when they were a kid? And because of that, they have lung. How do you tease it out that somebody made poor choices here and they have this consequence and therefore therefore we can't call that consequence a trial and what you need to do is get over it and, and you should do all these things to get over your trial. It's fine. You always want out of your trial. You always do. And it's fine to go after that. Go for it. But James is saying no matter what the trial is, even ones where you have agency, culpability, even those ones 
your own, the greatest trials in my life are ones that are my own failings. Maybe that's not true of you. And if not, praise God for your perfection. But it is for me. I stay up too late because I really want to get things right and I work away and so I'm neglecting my wife. And I'm torn. I go through this trial. Here I am doing it again and I get so mad at myself and I struggle over it and I fall again. And after a while, I just I'll forget it. I'm just not going to even think about it. I'm just going to give up. No. No, the way, the way through these things is not your own redoubled effort or, or giving up. The way is to come back and say, hey, the victory of my life is not in those things. Sin is no longer what keeps me from God. This is my faith. Jesus has paid it all. This is my faith. If I trust in Jesus, and, and what James is saying is, hey, the most important thing about any trial that comes your way, there are a variety of them, he says. There are so many colors of them, we can't talk about them all. But whatever it is that's hitting you, through that, the victory that you have, it's victory that you say, I trust in Jesus. Don't fall over. <laughs> I fail. I'm in trials. I'm in struggles. Some of them I can control. Some of them I can't. But I, if I make it about the control, I'm in deep, deep trouble. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. Let's see where James goes. It's really interesting because you say, okay, well, he's not talking about sin, right? He's just talking about outside trials like, you know, the club foot thing or the, or, or the congenital malformation or whatever it is that you're born with. He's not talking about things you do. And says, but then he goes right into this. Think through this with me. Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm being tempted by God, but God doesn't, cannot be tempted with evil. He himself tempts no one. You see that temptation? It's a synonym for trial. When you're in your trials, and one subset of trials is temptation. Not from God. God doesn't do these evil things. God doesn't do evil things. God doesn't tempt people. God's not out there giving you trials like he needs to see if your faith is real. You don't really think God needs to see your faith is real, do you? Who is he? He looks on the... Yeah. He looks on the heart. He doesn't need you to act out whether or not it is. He doesn't need, oh, boy, I wonder, I wonder if Dax really believes in me. Let's put him through the ringer. That's not God. <laughs> he doesn't need to do it. He knows. So, so here it is. He's saying God isn't tempt. God isn't tempted with evil. And that means these trials that he's talking about includes your personal sin. Your ongoing lack of being what you should be. And, and honestly, it's, it's simply too late in our flesh for us to be conquering the trial. Because he says, but each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. And so for many people, they take, they say, okay, well, what this is, okay, we're going to work on our trials, you guys. And what, what it is, is there's temptations that are in your life. And what you need to do is desires are okay, but watch out for sin. And James is not saying anything like that. He's saying the opposite. He's saying it's too late. Why do I say that? Because look, look, you are tempted when you're enticed by your desires. Desires aren't only lust. 
It's all things that we desire for ourselves. I have desires for control. That's probably my biggest. I love control. For most of us, that's a big one. I have desires for things that God doesn't desire for me. I have desires for things all the time and I'm mixed and I have these tendrils of stuff that I desires. And what James is saying is that inexorably, inexorably and without stopping, without you being able to, to, to stop it and put a stop to it, these desires bring forth sin. They're like eggs that hatch. And sin, when it's fully grown, brings death. This is the cycle of the flesh. This is what happens in the world. This is what's going on with you and me. I know what's going on with you. Why do I know that? Because you are going to die. I die because I'm a sinner. It is possible, the Bible says, if no one ever sinned, that they wouldn't die. There's only one person who who, who was like that and never sinned and didn't. Well, actually, then he chose to die, didn't he? For you, for me. So we would have life. But the whole thought is this, is that sin leads to death and all of us die. So all of us have sinned. And in some way, there are trials and the things that happen to me because I'm, here I am, imperfect. I will be imperfect for my life. And, and, and I have these desires and they aren't right. And I try and stop them. But the fight of my life is not that. Because the Bible doesn't say, and James doesn't say, if you will just impose a limit on your desires, if you would break your cycle, kaboom, then... No, 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 he says, doesn't he say, your desire leads to sin, your sin leads to death. God is not the author of evil. Don't blame God. We're all, we're all doomed. You can work on it. You might even get over it. That's fantastic. You know, sometimes cancer is cured. Sometimes diabetes goes, gets reversed. Sometimes cures happen. Sometimes things happen in relationships that are restored. God is a redeemer. He's so awesome. My God is mighty to save. I ask for healing and you should too because our God has a soft heart towards us in our trust. It's so fantastic that he does and he brings us through. Our God is a loving God. He's not standing back going, oh, I'm gonna leave you squirming. He's not like that. That's not my faith. Is it yours? But I'll tell you what, none of that stuff is the reality of victory in your life. Victory in your life is about you believing Jesus. Period. Period. Why do I say that? Because then he goes on with the passage we looked at last week. Don't be deceived. And then he goes on and says, everything you have is a gift outside of you. Every good gift you have, every perfect gift you have comes down from the Father of lights, comes down and is just given to you. It comes from outside of you. Your rescue comes from outside of you. What is the peace that is your victory? Your faith, your trust that your rescue comes from outside. It may come in the trial, but I'll tell you what, it comes honestly in the reality of new life in Christ, which means you have eternal life. You see what he's saying? I hope you do. Life is not about victory over the trial. Life is not about victory over the temptation. Life is about victory in Jesus. Not not just for you, for other people too. 
as you look around at people who are imperfect, as you look around at people that struggle, as you look around at those things, life is about that for them too. How do you encourage them to hold fast to Christ and not give them the impression that really life is about them overcoming their trial, them getting it put away? And, and is that something that you think about? Maybe you say, Dax, this is all sounding fine. This is convicting, but, but is it in other places in the Bible? Of course it is. Look at this one just as we, we get to a close here, but I want you to see. This is 1 John chapter 5. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. There it is. Overcoming, that's that same word, victory. That's that word, conquer. You conquer the world, you overcome the world. Look, and this is, the, is, this is the victory. This is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. It's not, this is, this is what leads to the victory over the world. It's not, this is what allows you to have victory. This is the victory over the world that you trust Jesus. This is massive. Who is it that overcomes the world except, except who? The one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So you and I stand here today in that. You stand here with many colored trials. And I hope you see that there are really two paths that are being presented by James Christianity is trusting in Jesus. There's no bait and switch. There's no trust in Jesus and now get over this particular thing that has been your afflicting trial. It doesn't say that. That's not Christianity. And if instead you push that in, you're pushing out faith and you're pulling in you. Christianity is about faith in Jesus and me accomplishing. Then it's not about trusting Jesus. So I, I, I encourage you, I pull you, I call you, I urge you, I plead with you, stay on this path. Trust in Jesus that you see the depth of the wonder that that means, that you have the gift of eternal life. You have the gift of life right now in Christ from the Father of lights in whom there's no shadow of turning, that this starts to impact your soul, that as you sit there in your trial, you realize you've got a, a mountain of blessing sitting next to you simply by trusting Jesus. And that allows you to start to lean. It allows you to start to love it allows you not to be a judger, but to be someone who says, hey, I have victory because I believe. So this is real help for today's life, number one, that we have joy because we believe in Jesus while we're in difficulties within and without. We can because we believe in Jesus. We have wisdom to have the right mindset from God. From this viewpoint of we trust Jesus, his love for us always. And, and finally, really importantly, we have victory. Trusting in the midst, not getting out of our trials. I praise God when God does deliver us from trials. But we ought to praise him more when we believe every moment of them. We pray with me? Father, thank you for this text from James. Lord, I confess my own struggle in this area. How I long for health. Lord, for easy life. For a more and better me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for trying to take control. And forgive me for being the one who wants to impose that as a condition of your love for me.
Lord, I pray for us today who are gathered here. We might rejoice in the right thing. In your son, Jesus, help us to believe the amazing gift that he is to us right here. In Jesus' name, amen.